Okay. Now make sure you can see what's going on, kids. All right, and adults. Can everyone? I might just drag this forward. All righty. Who's learnt heaps from the Book of Titus over the last three weeks? Yeah. Who's found it challenging and encouraging? I know I have. I definitely have. And remember, it's a book that says a lot about leaders, isn't it? And we've learnt a few things over the last few weeks. And we've learnt a few things about what leaders should be like and what they should do, what they should teach. And we've learnt first week that leaders need to something God's word so they can teach it to others. I wonder who can help me. Hmm, let me see. Maybe this will help. Let's see. Leaders need to... What's that? Call it out. Obey. That's right. Leaders need to obey God's word so they can teach it to others. Very good. And then last week we learnt that leaders in God's church need to teach something because that's what teaches us to live godly lives. Leaders in God's church must teach, what is it? Call it out. Grace, that's right. The only thing that teaches us how to live godly lives is grace. That's right. Very good. All right. So say leaders must obey God's word so they can teach it to others. Leaders must teach grace because grace is what teaches us to live godly lives. And we also learnt that when we do this, when we do this, it makes the gospel look it makes the gospel look good. There's a thumbs up. It makes the gospel look good. When we live godly lives, it helps people see how great the good news of Jesus is. They see us living godly lives and go, wow, the gospel really is good. Very good. All right. Well, today we come to the end of the letter and Paul tells Titus that leaders in God's church need to remind people to live good and godly lives. And he says, why? Why is it that Christians should live good and godly lives? I mean, hasn't Jesus forgiven us? Does it matter how we live? If we're forgiven, why does it matter? Why does it matter which tree we pick from? Well, Paul tells us, and he reminds us of something that we often forget. Who here forgets things sometimes? Do you ever forget things? Well, I always forget things. What are some things that you forget? Let me see. Oh, I'm going to call it Roma. What's something that you forget? <laughs> do, you, do you ever go away and forget to bring your, let's see, what's this thing? Um, da, da, da. Who's ever gone away and forgotten their toothbrush? <laughs> I have. That's why people don't sit anywhere near me on camps. All right, what's something else you guys forgot? I see your hand. Luther. I forget driving. 
you forget your Bible, do you? Yeah, sometimes we forget that it's God's Word and it's the food that we need every single day. And so sometimes we forget, we forget to read it or maybe we go away and we forget to take it. And yeah, sometimes we forget Bibles. What's another thing? Oh, Noah. Why you walked... How can you forget that? You just go straight to the fridge. Come on. What's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it might not actually even be why you walked into the kitchen, but hey, while you're there, you know. All right. Yes. To hug, you forget to give cuddles. Oh, that's the worst. You've got to remember cuddles. Oh, how am I going to draw cuddles? I know how we can draw cuddles. Let's see. Uh, here we go. You are wearing your pink pajamas and you are flying through the air with the greatest of ease. And his dad, under his bed sheets, <laughs> about to be launched on. Okay, sometimes you forget to go and give Dad a cuddle. Oh, well, we forget lots of things, don't we? And you know what? Paul sir, is reminding us here in Titus today that sometimes we forget silly little things. You know, it doesn't really matter if I forget my toothbrush or if I forget why I've walked into the kitchen. But there are some things that really, really matter. And some things, even though they're so important and so amazing, we can still forget them. We can still forget them. Well, I never forget anything. Um, what was I saying? Oh, that's right. No, no. I, we often forget. And the thing that we forget is the biggest thing that ever happened, the most amazing, most wonderful thing that ever happened. We often forget what Jesus has done for us. We often forget what Jesus has done for us. Now, let's backtrack a bit. In our skit, who can tell me what John was doing? What was John doing in, his, in, in our little skit? Hmm. Anyone? Was he being godly? No, John was sinning, wasn't he? He was sinning. And remember, he thought that he could just have a little bit and stop when he wanted, a little bit of that, and... He thought he was in control, didn't he? But did you see who was really in control? Did you? Sin. Did you see Sin walk in with a remote control, controlling all John's actions? He thought he was in control. But it wasn't John that was in control. It was Sin. That's right. Sin was in control. See, you know, sin doesn't walk around with a remote control controlling us, does it? No, it doesn't need a remote or some kind of levers to pull or buttons to press. No, but sin really is in control. Now, last week, we thought about how sin was our biggest problem. Do you remember that? And last week, we thought how sin makes us dirty and impure and sin makes us filthy and stinky. 
sin, sin is what makes us dirty and filthy and impure. And sin, actually, the problem is many people don't think that they have a problem. Many people think about sin and they think, oh, you know what? Sin's not that bad. It's quite tasty, really. It's harmless. See, a lot of people think they're in control. A lot of people think they don't have a problem. But what a lot of people don't realize, see, they're holding the remote. What a lot of people don't realize is that actually sin is the one that's in control. What a lot of people don't realize is that actually we're slaves to sin. And we can't see the chains, but really sin is in control of our lives. Really sin is in control and we're slaves to sin. Or at least that's what we were. Have a look there in your uh, Bible passage inside your bulletin. Have a look at verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived. See, we thought that we were in control. We were tricked. We were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. See, we thought that we were in control of sin. We thought we were the one with the remote control. We thought we were the ones pressing all the buttons. But who was really in control? Sin was really in control. See, it's true, isn't it? There are lots of things, aren't there, that we think we're in control of. There are lots of things that we do that we wish we didn't do, aren't there? Sometimes we lose our tempers and later we think, oh, why do I always lose my temper? I just wish I could control it. Or maybe we always want things and we're never happy and we think, why am I never happy? I never have the things that I want and then when I get the things that I want, I realize they don't make me happy. I just want something else instead. See, we think that we're in control, but really it's our passions, our pleasures, our desires that really control us. They control our emotions and how we feel and our actions and what we do. They really, sin really controls us. And you know what? It's not a pleasant way to live. Have a look at verse 3 again. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. See, being slaves to sin actually makes us hate each other. It makes us enemies of each other. It puts us in competition because we want the same things and we want what other people have. Now, who here has a brother or sister? Did anyone else grow up in a household with a brother or sister? Or what about you grew up in a household with some humans in it? Yeah? Has anyone got a household with humans in it? Okay. And we see this is true, don't we? We see people who envy each other and want what each other has. 
So what happens? What does a brother do when he sees that his sister's dessert is bigger than his? What does a brother do? He wants it. He envies his brother. Why does he get that? He doesn't deserve that. I should I want that. He wouldn't be upset if he had the bigger dessert, would he? No. And how does a sister feel when her twin sister gets invited to a party but she doesn't? How does she feel? Jealous, envious, sad. That's right. She wants what the other one has. Why didn't they pick me instead of her? What's so good about her? I'm better than her. Or how does a tiny little toddler respond when his sister starts playing with the toy that was sitting in front of him and he had ignored for the last half hour? He didn't care about the toy before, but as soon as his sister picks it up and looks like she's having fun, what does he want? He wants the toy. So he bashes it with his rattle and he steals it. See, sin, it controls us and it makes us enemies with each other as well as enemies to God. In this letter to Titus, God is reminding us that something we forget is that we, are, we were slaves to sin. We weren't in control Sin was in control. But that's only part of it, isn't it? We'll have a look at verse 4. I love the word but. Isn't the word but such a good word? When you've just heard bad news and then you hear but. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Now, a few months ago, uh, one of the children here wrote a little question on their question slip and put it in the everything box. And I took it home and I read this question and it was a great question. And you know what the question was? It was, what are the benefits of following Jesus? What are the good things about following Jesus? I thought, what a fantastic question. And so I sat down and I wrote this person a letter. And I wrote this personal letter and I sent it to them and I said, oh, there are so many benefits, but you know what? I would love to hear what you think first. And so I said, why don't you send me what you think are the benefits of following Jesus and then I'll tell you what I think. And so they wrote a letter and they sent it to me with lots of great things, great benefits about following Jesus. And do you know what? When I told them what my number one benefit of following Jesus, who can guess what I think the number one benefit of following Jesus is? Hmm, let me see. I might choose an adult. Let's see. Oh, put you on the spot. Ben, what do you reckon? Have a guess. Eternal life. Good one. Carolyn, what do you think? Peace. Good ones. Oh, what do you reckon? Stephen, what do you reckon? Grace. Oh, great. Fantastic. You know the one I wrote? 
is that we become heirs of God. Now, who can tell me what an heir is? Who can tell me what an heir is? Oh, we've got lots of action over this corner. You guys, great. Meredith, you haven't answered one yet. Yeah, next in line, an heir to the throne, a child who will inherit. See, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to sin. But what we need to remember is we're not anymore. What are we now? We are heirs of God. We are God's children. We are God's children. We are his heirs. And so no longer are we slaves to sin, but we are free. We are God's children in his hand. He cares for us. He loves us. And we will inherit everything that's his. Now let me tell you a little story. Ah, but before I do, I just want to notice something really, really awesome here. Now, did you notice what has God done? Verse 4, what has God done for us? He, call it out, saved us. That's right. God saved us. And who did it? Well, how did he do it? Have a look at verses 4 to 7. See, God our Saviour appeared. That's God the Father. God our Saviour appeared and he saved us because of his mercy. And he saved us because of his mercy. What does it say next? Through the washing and rebirth by the what? By the who? Holy Spirit. He saved us by the washing and rebirth of the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. The Holy Spirit who he poured out on us through... What does it say? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's God the Son. So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs of God, having the hope of eternal life. So who saved us? God saved us. How did he do it? Well, God the Father saved us by his mercy, through by his Holy Spirit, he poured out through Jesus, God the Son, so that we are now heirs of God. See, isn't God amazing? He's one God, but three in one. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all work together to make us God's children. Isn't that an amazing thing? How amazing is God. But sometimes, even though God is so cool, even though he's 
We were slaves to sin, but now we're heirs. Now we're free and we're his. Sometimes we still forget, don't we? We still forget that we, are, we were once slaves. We still forget that now we're heirs who have been saved. Now I want you to imagine for a second that you grew up very, very poor. You lived in poverty. You slept on the streets. To get food, you had to beg for money. You'd have to scrounge through bins looking for scraps that you could eat of you know, little leftover bits that people had thrown away or had started going rotten and they got rid of it. But you're so hungry. You never have a shower because you don't have a house and so you have nowhere to wash yourself. Your clothes are full of holes, you know. Can you imagine? And then one day, one day you're sitting on the street, laying on your, you know, your bed of newspapers, sleeping under some old rubbish, and then this really fancy Tesla pulls up on the street right next to you. And out jumps Elon Musk, the guy who owns Tesla, He's one of the richest men in the world. And out of this Tesla jumps Elon Musk. And he looks at you and he says, I've been looking for you for years. I've been looking for you for so long and finally I've found you. You are my child. I'm your father. You got taken away from me when you were born and I've been looking for you all this time, but finally I've found you. Come, get up off the street. Come, hop in the car. And so he drives you back to his mansion and you clean off those years of dirt in a gold-plated shower. Ah, oh, it feels warm and fresh and you stay in there for three minutes. Sorry, did I say three minutes? I meant 33 minutes. You have a nice hot shower and then you come out of the shower and you've got this amazing bedroom. You've never seen anything like it. There are toys, there are musical instruments, there's art on the walls, there's a TV, and then there are wardrobes. You open these doors and it's full of all these nice clothes, the nicest clothes you've ever seen. And so you put on a lovely dress and out you go. And as you come out, the waiter says, excuse me, miss, please come this way to the dining hall. And you go and there's this huge table with a 10-course meal of the most amazing food you've ever seen in your life. And then that night, you go to sleep in the biggest, comfiest, king-size bed the world's ever seen. You sleep in silk sheets and it's like floating on air. The next morning, you wake up. You go for a walk. You end up down near that place under the bridge where you used to sleep. You see your old newspapers and you lie down and have a nap. Then you feel hungry and so you start picking through people's bins and looking for scraps. And then after a little while you're, you're really hungry and so you think, well, where's that soup kitchen down on the corner? Maybe I can get some you know, dirty potato soup over there. And then you go back to sleep under the bridge on your newspapers. And then... Elon comes back in his Tesla and he pulls up and he says, what are you doing here? You're my daughter. You don't sleep under a bridge. That's your old life. You don't need to look through people's garbage for food. You don't need to sleep rough. My heirs 
don't beg for scraps. You are my heir. Come back home. Leave this filthy old life behind and live like my child because that's what you are. See, and that's what we need to remember. We aren't slaves to sin anymore. We don't need to muck about in the dirt and the filth and the trash because we are free. We are no longer controlled by sin. We're no longer controlled by our pleasures and our passions. We are God's heirs, his children. And we need to remember to live like his children that we are. See, we need to remember that what God offers us is so much better than any of the rubbish that this world can give us. This is why verse 8 says that leaders in God's church need to remind us all the time that we're no longer slaves, but we're God's children. Have a look at verse 8. Paul says to Titus, the leader in the church in Crete, Paul says to Titus, I want you to stress these things. I want you to stress and remind and keep talking about the fact we're not slaves to sin, but we're God's heirs. I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. See, we need to be reminded that we are heirs of God so that we live like heirs of God. We need to be reminded we're not slaves to sin so that we can say no to sin. We need to keep hearing about God's grace so it will teach us to be godly. And then people will see how good the gospel is. And I've got a challenge for you, okay? We'll finish with a challenge. Here's my challenge. The next time you hear one of the leaders in God's church encouraging, reminding, challenging you to be godly I want, and reminding you to say no to sin... I want you to remember something. I want you to remember, you to remember that we're not giving you rules because we like rules. We're not telling you what to do because we like telling people what to do. I want you to remember that we're not trying to be killjoys. When we say, be godly, say no to sin, we're not trying to spoil your fun. No. We are reminding you that those things that look fun at first are actually not in the end. We're reminding you that you're not a slave anymore. We're reminding you that you are God's son, God's daughter, and you are free. And God has something so much better than sin. And so, I want to encourage you to live like a child of God. Now, we've been learning a song which sadly we can't actually all sing today